Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. There's nothing wrong with not having experience. People get hired without any experience all the time. Is you need to look like you're someone that wants a job. You need to emphasize the academics in your resume that are relevant to a practice area. And how can you advocate for clients if you can't advocate for yourself and get a job? Okay, so let's go to this resume. So this again, remember professional licenses go at the end. So put these, but always put these at the end, put at end. And then you just say, all you have is Cal emissions. You would just say Pennsylvania. You don't need to put your bar number. Pennsylvania, Washington, District of Columbia. You don't need to say Washington, D.C. And you don't need to put your bar number. But again, these always go at the end. Now, this person is in Pennsylvania. I'm sorry. Okay, so this person graduated in 2015. So that's right. So you are 2014. So you do put your graduation date at the end. One of the things I would recommend to everyone on the call, it's just, it's a lot easier just instead of putting like Juris Doctorate and and that sort of thing, just to write down, say, JD and, and that sort of thing. Okay, language study. So speaking, having been able to test to read documents, I don't know how much that's going to help you. It could, I guess, if you're a contract attorney that's doing that. But yeah, I'm not sure that that's helping you. I'm also not sure that this person went to, to Singapore to get a master's of law, but you're not, unfortunately, doing anything related to international business. I don't know. What's the point? Uh, I guess you're doing international tax questions for this job. Okay. So this person, again, very, it's a good background. You went to a good, it's a good law school and then you have a good degree in computer information systems. So that's good. These languages are good. But let's talk about, so May of 2014 up until, so there was no position, it looks like after May of 2000, and then there was a master of law in 2015. Okay. Then the person then you went to Anarchy Law. Okay, so a lot of times what'll happen is, I don't know why this is, but smaller law schools or something, people call themselves an attorney at law. Typically, you know, the titles you use, titles should be associate, or you can call yourself an attorney, or you can put contract attorney, that's up to you. But associate or attorney, that's really the two associate, two things you need to use. And then here, you see, drafted immigration petitions, drafted appeal of a property tax case. No one, that could be a house that was appraised at 300000 but you don't need to go into a lot of detail on that either. So here I would just write associate. And then if you want to be a immigration attorney, that's fine. Or if it's completely inconsistent with what you are doing now, then you may not want to list that either. Let's see here, Argent Place Law. So I don't know that you need to list two areas in Virginia. That's kind of I mean, you can choose one or you can just, I don't know, but there's not really, I don't know what the significance of that is. So I don't know you need to do that. Okay. So this is person's, basically, this is interesting. So now the person's doing trademark law, business contracts, corporate, international tax. Okay. Let's get rid of this because I don't think that you don't need to put that corporate trademark. Okay. So here's the problem. So this person graduated in 2014. They've been out of school for nine years. This job was for four years, which is good. And they're doing, they did corporate related work. But this was a very short job. This is only a couple months, right? It's a one month. It's actually okay to have a break from November of 2022. But what I would do is I would probably, to make myself look like a corporate attorney, I wouldn't lead with trademarks. That's insane. You would lead with this. 
are not fielding business law questions. That's insane. Sorry, but you wouldn't do that. So the problem with all this is this person looks like a corporate attorney, but now they're doing contracts, which is okay. And now they're doing due diligence and M&A deals. So no one's going to hire someone that has four, almost five years experience with one employer, but doing all this other stuff. No one cares about the, con- no one cares about, and I'll just remove this, but no one cares about the trademarks, even though it's a lot of trademarks, people want to put you into a box. And this stuff just doesn't belong. It's not related to anything that's happened here. And I would, hopefully you can call yourself an associate or something, but I would, this occasionally feel the other business law questions. No, you just, everyone, so everything here needs, this person needs to look like a corporate attorney. And the reason I don't like this master of law is I don't really understand the point of it. You can put it on there, I guess, but it doesn't really add to anything. I guess it's okay. Business law. Yeah, that's fine because you're a business attorney. So that's actually okay. So someone asks you what you did after getting this degree, you can say I traveled or whatever. And then, but yeah, you need this person needs to look like a corporate attorney. That's it. And there's nothing wrong with having been unemployed for seven or eight months or whatever it is. You need to look like a contract attorney. And what I would recommend is trying to summarize all this a little bit and a little bit less detail, just making yourself look like a business attorney and not talking about all these specific things, just say worked on corporate M&A, worked on different documents and business governments, operating agreement, all this kind of stuff. If you can make yourself look a lot more focused, that would be much better. Speaking Chinese is actually interesting because I think that a lot of English is obviously the first language in Singapore. But it's actually interesting if you wanted to talk about that somehow or relate that in there. So that's what I would do with this particular resume. I would remove all the stuff. I would put this at the end. And yeah, and then you're going to be, and then this is actually turns into a good corporate resume is instead of all the different things. And this, by the way, is the problem that I think most of the people on this call today have had in their resume or the ones we reviewed is you're undermining yourself by saying you're a document reviewer when you've been a, when you were a corporate attorney for four years. And then you're undermining yourself by having, making it look like you spent two years as a contract attorney or no, as a attorney at law doing property tax and immigration petitions. Like everything on your resume needs to, to lead to the conclusion that you're one thing. And you can very easily do that here. You can say, I'm a business person. We're li- working from December, 2022 to January, 2023 is not good because it's showing that something happened or your firm didn't like you. I don't know, but it doesn't matter. So you need to basically make yourself look like a business attorney. And that's, again, the mistake that a lot of people here are making on their resumes is they look like so many different things that it, it hurts them. Okay, so let me see. I got to find the next resume. So give me one second. And then I will do questions here too as well. The next one. Let's see here. Personal financial planning certificate, UCLA extension. Okay. So again, this resume is going to have a lot of difficulty for this person to get a position just because of what's going on. Getting certificates when you're after you've been out of school for four years or something does not impress people. I'm just not trying to be rude here, but it just doesn't. Okay. So this person going to UCLA and these are all useful things. So I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with these degrees. I think that they're very interesting. And I think that they may help you in terms of what you want to do, but I don't know how much they, what they lead to. Now, this to me, just, I don't know, but I'm assuming that this is someone that's from overseas and went to school 
overseas. And because there's no law degree, there's no undergraduate degree here. So I don't know why that is, but I'm assuming that this person probably went to school in some other country, in another country. So what you would want to do here is you do list wherever your undergraduate degree is from as, as well. So that's fine. Now remember the rule that all this stuff should go at the end after five years. So this, it's been over five years. So education needs to go at the end. Okay. So this is another point for foreign attorneys. So this person is probably trying to hide the fact that they have a degree overseas because they're not listing it. And they think that the employer is going to discriminate against them because of that, which frankly is a possibility. But what you can do, what foreign attorneys should do on their resumes is if you're eligible to work in the United States because you have a green card or whatever, or you marry or you have United States citizen, US citizenship, then no one cares. That's what their players are worried about is that do not require sponsorship. All this kind of stuff is important. So if you don't require sponsorship or you have US citizenship or whatever, then you should you can actually say that in your resume and it's okay. But here you're making it look like, hey, there's some sort of secret here and I don't want to tell you. And so you have to be very careful about how that is listed because it's going to hurt you. And all of these certificates that you have, why did you graduate in 2018, but you just have these admission dates? So that to people makes it look like you either failed the bar a bunch of times, which a lot of people do, there's nothing wrong with that, or you didn't take the bar for whatever reason. And it doesn't really matter what the reason is. I'm assuming because you don't have a job on here, like a real legal job that you just got admitted. So you would just say admissions, you don't need to put the date. Why do you put things on your resume that are, and this goes for everyone, California and New York, that's all you need to put. Why would you put on your resume something that looks like a weakness? It's just, there's no point to tell people that you graduated or you took the bar or passed the bar five years after. No one cares about that. And unfortunately, and I'm just not trying to be rude here, and again, this goes at the end, the resume. So a lot of people here today have listed their bar admission right at the top of the resume. No one cares. It's just, again, the mission to the bar is the most basic thing that's required to be an attorney. And so it's presumed that you have the bar. Okay, so let's talk about all this stuff here on this resume. So this person was a legal extern for five months during law school in trademark law five years ago. No one cares. Motion County for five months and circuit court, fair housing clinic. No one cares. So again, I'm not trying to be rude to this person. Legal extern, no one cares. So what do you do when you don't have any experience? There's nothing wrong with not having any experience. People get hired without any experience all the time. But what you need to do is you need to look like you're someone that wants a job and you're excited and you're committed and whatever reason you could have gotten, I don't know if it's a man or woman, but you could have gotten married, someone could have been sick. There's all sorts of possibilities here that could have happened. But you have to be very careful about detracting from that message. And so all this stuff, being a volunteer and a board member, also doesn't matter. All this stuff about, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be rude to this person because I, I feel badly. I'm not trying to say bad things. But Microsoft Office Suite, Westlaw and Nexus, no one cares about that. And then fluent in English and Vietnamese. Okay, you're in the United States, so everyone expects you to be fluent in English. If you think that being fluent in Vietnamese is going to help you, it may or may not. I don't know that there's a lot of firms that do it, but we'll talk about that in a second. So 
I'm going to give actually some extra lessons here that this is not, this is a resume meeting and, and review, but I will talk about a couple other things right now because this is very important. This person, I'm assuming, I, I can't tell, but I don't know if they're Japanese or they're Vietnamese. It says Japanese American Society of Chicago. So they could be Vietnamese or they could be Japanese or they could be, I don't know. So a lot of people come over to the United States from foreign countries and want to work here. And that's perfectly fine. And as a matter of fact, if it's framed in the right way, people like it because I'll tell you why. Because if someone, their job here and they get a job, it's very difficult for them to get other jobs. And so people know that if they hire you, you're likely to commit. They also know that you're going to appreciate, especially if you come out of Vietnam and your poor environment or whatever. People love that. So people have every incentive in the world to hire people from foreign countries. And because they're going to commit, they're going to be appreciative of the job. They're not going to have a lot of other options many times. So there's a lot of good reasons to hire people. But what this person's doing is they're not, you need to have a selling point, just like every product has a selling point. You need to have some sort of selling point that's going to make people want to hire you. And you need to figure out what you're going to lead with. If you want to be an IP attorney, then maybe this LLM thing is a good idea. But if you don't, then there's really no sense in listing it if it doesn't have anything to do with what you want to do. Now, just a few lessons here. IP attorneys, the reason I don't like this program at the University of New Hampshire, and I've come across it many times, is most IP work requires people to be experts in some sort of science. Now, trademark is one science, math, physics, that sort of thing. Trademark is one exception. But unless this person wants to be a trademark attorney, actually, they had quite a bit of experience doing that. So you might want to leave that. But unless this person is only applying for trademark jobs, all this stuff is actually a little bit difficult to put on there. Now, I'm going to go back to some stuff here on the resume that's interesting. This is all, and I didn't catch this earlier, but this is all related to trademark. I guess you could certainly list all this trademark-related experience on here. And if you want to be a trademark attorney, the problem with trademark laws, your odds of getting a trademark job are fairly slim because there's just not a lot of trademark jobs. And the ones that there are, are going to be very difficult to compete with. Do you want to leave all that on there? If you want to be a trademark attorney, then yes, you can leave that on there. But the problem is people are going to wonder, why does this person not worked until now? Did they take the bar just now or did they fail like 10 times, which is perfectly normal. It's very common in California, to be honest with you. But so these are the questions that people are asking. So if it was me, what I would do, I don't know that having been a trademark extern for a few months in law school and everything is going to help you. If you want to get trademark jobs, then you certainly could potentially do that with your M and your trademark clinics and extern, you could apply for trademark jobs and try to do that. The other option would be to take all that off and then basically just go all out and say, I'm from, I grew up in Vietnam. I'm here. I got a law degree. Um, for the past several months, I've been, past few years, I've been raising a family or I've been traveling or I've been, I don't know, but you have to say something like that. And then were it me and I was, I don't know if you're Vietnamese or Japanese, but I would approach people from that community that are lawyers and talk to them and ask them to help you with jobs. And you're going to find in Los Angeles, you're going to find thousands or at least probably tens, if not hundreds of people that are Vietnamese attorneys or Japanese attorneys. And that's how I would lead that. I don't think you're going to have a lot of luck getting trademark jobs because even 
very talented trademark attorneys in Los Angeles from big firms have a hard time. You wouldn't know that coming from a foreign country, but it's a very difficult practice area to break into. I don't think it's a good idea having these financial planning things on there if you want to work in a law firm. So you could do a lot of things. If you're interested in doing personal financial planning, you definitely could get a job being a financial planner and approaching people in the Japanese or Vietnamese community. But I think if you're trying to be an attorney, you really need to basically say, I have a JD and went to this college in whatever country. I'm admitted to California, New York, and here I am. I'm eager to work. I've been not doing anything for the past five years, but I want to do it now. And that's it. And that simple story is going to help you. If you start with all these other things about these certificates and things that are unrelated to trademark law, and it's just, it's a mess. It's not, I'm not saying you're, you wouldn't understand this, but it doesn't tell a story. It doesn't, there's nothing. What is the story you're telling? I came over, I'm getting a financial planning job and I got an LM and intellectual property law. And and I'm not going to tell you where I went to college. I'm going, I'm admitted five or six years after I graduated from law school. By the way, I also got an international trade certificate and a finance certificate before the bar. So I'm more interested in that. And none of this stuff, and then I'm a board member and a volunteer, none of this stuff helps this person. So everything on your resume, everything on your resume needs to lead people to conclude one thing about you, preferably about you, and not many things. So the best thing that this person could do is I'm from, from another country and eager to work and be committed. That's it. So that's all this person needs to say. This is all the person needs to say. So if you start saying other things in your resume, then that's not good. Here, if you eliminate all this stuff and you just say, I went to school and I'm admitted to these bars, and, and then you could just say maybe during law school, instead of saying all that here during law school, I did this and just list a few things, that sort of thing, whatever, internships and so forth. That's all you need to say. So if you do that, you're fine. And then you just lead with that. Because you don't have any real experience, the problem with having these finance certificates and all this other stuff is that people will conclude that you're not interested in practice loss. You're trying all these other things. And why would they hire you? So you just have to put yourself in other people's position when they're reviewing this stuff and see how they would likely feel. Okay. So let me open the resume. I think there's another one. Okay. Here's another one. Cut off the person's name. Okay. So this career summary, I don't know if it's a real name. You typically don't want to put your LinkedIn stuff on there. People will look you up, which is fine, but there's no reason to put that on there. And uh, put your name, just name, then email, phone and email. So career summary. Okay, this person is a visionary and transformative legal advisor. Okay, so again, there's nothing, you don't, these are unnecessary. So this is the kind of thing that resume companies do. The other thing I don't like about this is the colors. When you put a bunch of colors, and I like these colors, I think it's a very nice looking resume, but when you put a bunch of colors on your resume, you basically... It's not expected and just really using simple colors and things are more helpful because if you're not doing that, it just doesn't look right. So you can't do it. Okay. Significant competencies. Again, you don't need to put all this on there. Innovation and cultural change, leadership, business. Kind of, none of this stuff is knows to be said. So I think we spoke a lot earlier about the importance of leaving this kind of stuff out. You just, you don't want to put it on there. Okay, now this particular person is in Vietnam too. I guess we had another person. 
which is actually okay. And there's nothing, this is actually a very interesting resume. I'm assuming that this person is trying to work in the United States because they went and got an LM. Then their last job was a year ago. When did they get their LM? 2023. Okay, great. So they're trying to work in the United States right now. You probably want to be very careful about listing your GPA. Most graduate programs in the United States will expect you, you will do very well in terms of grades. It's not that in all places, but a lot of master's programs, like the average grades in A, you need to be careful about that. George, I don't know if I guess you can take the bar in Georgia if you get an LM. Okay. So all the stuff about being a visionary or transformative legal advisor, the reason you want to take that off is because you're essentially going to be probably, I'm assuming, been practicing quite a while for 11 years. But if you're going to try to get a job in the United States, you're probably going to, there's probably a couple different options for this person. One of them is to work in a law firm and the other is to work in-house role. And actually an in-house role is a very interesting idea for this person, especially for a Vietnamese company in the United States or some place from Southeast Asia. So that's actually very interesting. But let's talk a little bit about what this person's doing. In this particular job, this person has been a, a basically senior associate of Baker McKenzie in the employment practice group. And all of this stuff here really is probably unnecessary leadership challenges and focal points. Just saying you're a labor and employment attorney there is probably enough. And you don't need to say EPG. That's just, there's no reason for that. Baker McKenzie is a well-respected firm. All of that is very good. But if you want to basically lead with being a labor and employment attorney, that's probably all you need is to say that, and then you're done. And then talking about M&As and business restructuring, your diligence is just detracting from you being a labor and employment attorney. And being a labor and employment attorney for looks like two and a half years is great. And then all this other stuff, transactional details, probably is unnecessary. Legal advisor, I would probably just lead. I don't think it'd be dishonest to just talk about doing employment. And then somehow, if you want to talk about M&A, that's fine. But I would try to lead with, try to basically, you want to do whatever you can to give people the, to look like you do one thing. It's okay to have done M&A and then move to employment, but people are going to be more interested in you if you are doing one thing as opposed to doing a lot of different things. And But these are all interesting jobs. There's nothing wrong with having done a bunch of different things. But in the US legal market, people are going to be more interested in you if it looks like you have experience doing one thing. I don't know. It's pretty odd to, I guess you were working as a legal advisor. So essentially since 2015, which is eight years, this person has been working and doing legal work, I mean, doing work related to labor and employment. And then from 2012 to 2015, it looks like they were doing something a little bit different. If you can talk more about employment and this Panasonic industrial devices job, that would be useful. Then these publications are actually interesting because this, the one of them is about employment. So that's related. Someone needs to look at this resume and I'll just write this down and say, committed labor and employment attorney with expertise in Southeast Asia. That's it. Once you have that, you're going to be in really good shape. People are going to be like, wow, we love this person. And that's it. So this is, I'm just to give you some, when I look at this resume, what do I see this person doing? I see probably going back to Southeast Asia, maybe working with US companies, trying to open and close offices there or factories. 
I see them maybe working for a U.S. company with a lot of people in Vietnam, maybe in the U.S. or in Vietnam. I see them potentially working for an international law firm, maybe in the U.S. with lots of work in Southeast Asia, but employment is more litigation-related and rule-specific to different areas of the country. So I don't know that this person's going to have a lot of luck getting a position as an employment-related attorney in the U.S., but it's possible. One of the things I would recommend that I don't like, when you call yourself a visionary and transformed legal advisor, the problem is people, if you're trying to get a job, and essentially if you're coming to the U.S. and trying to get a job, you're going to be People are going to be most interested in you as an entry-level attorney. Entry-level attorneys are basically supposed to follow orders, be very hungry for work, and that sort of thing. And they're really there's two things, and I'll actually end with this, and then we'll go to questions. Unless there's one more resume. Do you want to grow your legal career? A lateral move might be the right choice to get you on track for your career goals. Working with a legal placement firm like BCG Attorney Search can open doors for you and help you live the life you dream of. If you're looking for a new legal job, send us your resume so we can help. Visit www.bcgsearch.com and click on Submit Resume to be paired with one of our legal placement professionals who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job. Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today. There's soldiers and then there's generals. So a soldier, which comprises almost every attorney, even partners for the most part, but soldiers follow orders and do what told without questions and support the overall mission. That's it. No attention is drawn to them. They're soldiers, right? So they just, they are soldiers. A lot of these in-house resumes that we've seen today are people trying to look like generals. And the general gives orders, comes up with a strategy, leads people beneath them makes lots of strategic decisions and that sort of thing. Decisions, risk the future of the company and the future of the future of the employer and responsible for it. Just a lot of things like that. Responsible punishes people for stepping out of line. So the idea of the soldiers and the generals, if you look like a general, the problem with looking like a general is, first of all, you're, you look like someone that you know isn't going to follow orders, that thinks they know best, that it's going to be very difficult to manage and essentially is a threat to other generals. If you put two alpha people in the same room, they're going, when you watch political debates and you watch like someone like Donald Trump debating people, he will take them apart. And not because there's anything, because he's an, a super general alpha male and will take apart anyone he views as challenging him with insults and it doesn't really matter. But the point is that you have generals and you have soldiers. And so if you want to get ahead and take, get a job for other people, with other people working for other people, you need to look like a soldier. So you can't call yourself a visionary and transformative. You can be that person, but, but people are going to think this person is not able, we can't manage them. And that's the problem. You have to look like most people, one of the biggest mistakes that people make is they, look, they try to look like generals thinking that's how they should look when they're really soldiers, when they really need soldiers because people hire soldiers, they don't hire generals. And I can tell you, like some of the most important attorneys in the United States working for big law firms are almost 100% soldiers with their employer. Now, they may be generals when they advise companies and attack them and everything, or, but they're essentially soldiers for their employer. So you need to be a soldier. That's just how it works. Same thing with a lot of times in-house attorneys. If an in-house attorney starts looking like a general, the CEO is the one that wants to be the general. 
and then you lose your job. So you have to be very careful. If you make a decision to be a soldier or a general, you better know what you're getting into if you decide to be a general, because generals are threatened by other generals. They, there's people above them, so those people will stomp them out if they look. There's just a bunch of issues, and it's not, there's no point in really going into a lot of detail about it, but that's just something to be aware of with how that stuff works. Let me see if I have any other resumes. I don't think I do, which is great. Let me just see, make sure there's no more. Okay, so I think that's probably most of them. Yeah, that's all of them. So let me go to questions right now. Okay, so someone asked about keywords, and no, you should not, you, know, you should never worry about it. I'd never worry about keywords. For the most part, the only keywords that you may want to include would be when you're describing your experience, describing your experience, experience you may want to, oh, I'm not even sharing. I apologize. Give me one, but I'm actually going to share in a second. Oh, hold on. Sharing? Oh, well, I'm going to share. Give me one second. I apologize. When you're, when you're describing your experience and if you're doing one thing, you may want to include keywords related to your practice area. So let me show you how that would work real quickly. This is not a good, so I'm looking for a document online. Okay. On BCG, there are lists of practice areas and I don't know descriptions. Okay. So there, you have to basically every practice area that there is. And on BCG, if you search, you definitely want to list your, you definitely want to use keywords related to your practice areas. An example would be antitrust has certain practice areas. Lemon law has certain descriptions and so forth. So the more, the closer you are to the listing, to having keywords related to that, the more likely an employer will be to find you if you go into a resume database. That's really one of the most important things you can do is to make sure you have those practice area descriptions listed. And then there's, I don't know what the URL is, but we do have something that talks a lot about that. So this person says, it's a good question. I have, I have a strong background with numerous honors and awards, but a limited practical legal experience. How can I strike a balance between emphasizing my academic achievements and demonstrate? Okay. So that's a good question. So one of the problems with working as an attorney is Lawyers, even though they have to go to school and do all these things, lawyers are not academics or intellectuals for the most part. Intellectuals and academics, they talk and talk about theories and spend a lot of time thinking and theories and debate and non-practical related stuff. So that's one of the problems of being an academic or intellectual. Law firms just are not that excited about it. They don't like it if you went and get a master's degree, for example, in English, and they're just not excited about it. And the reason essentially is that lawyers have to give quick answers. They have to understand complex arguments and then reach conclusions. They're not interested in really debating all that. So intellectuals and people like that, many times the law firms are turned off by it. So you have to be very careful with that to some extent and really overemphasizing your academics. And there's a balance to that, you're right. But the idea would be that for the most part, you need to be very careful about too much emphasis on academics and not enough. Now, how can you emphasize academics, academic-related stuff? So what you want to do, your resume should have a scent, meaning it should have a scent of whatever the practice area you want to do it. So what that means is whatever your coursework is, as an undergraduate, then papers, papers you've written, and papers and courses, papers, 
in law school, internships, I don't know, you get the idea, et cetera, should lead people, lead the reader of your resume, of your resume to conclude that you're very interested in one thing or another. So interested in something. So the problem with a lot of resumes is that what ends up happening is the person writing the resume will put all these different things in and no one can figure out what they're interested in, what they want to do. So an example would be if you go to college and you major in healthcare, and then you come out and you maybe you work for a couple of years in the healthcare industry, and then you go to law school and you do an internship or something with a healthcare law firm, or, or maybe you don't do anything. And then you come out and you go to get an LLM in healthcare law. Anybody in their right mind looking at your resume is going to conclude that you're very committed to healthcare law and that's what you should do. You can do the same thing with other practice areas, but you need to emphasize the academics in your resume that are relevant to a practice area. They could be relevant to any practice area. They need to be relevant to something. So that's the way you need to fix that. Someone asked, will the recording be sent to the participants? Yes. So the, this will be a, this webinar will be put online probably sometime next week on BCG. And then when that happens, you can watch your resume critiques if yours is on there. It says, notice in the, rep in the invitation that there's not going to be a resume review next week. We're, we've done all the ones we have today, but there will be one next quarter. Okay, this person says, I've had a gap in my experience, in my resume due to personal circumstances. Okay, so the personal circumstances could be anything. Frankly, it could be prison. Could, I'm not joking. I've literally interviewed people before, but I'm, I am joking. It could be family physical or mental illness, whatever, mental illness. Let's see. It could be a lot of things. It could be just hiatus, whatever. There's nothing wrong with taking a break. The only thing wrong with it is if it looks to people when they look at your resume that you're not being committed to coming back. So everything that's negative on your resume can be overcome if it looks like this makes you hungrier, more grateful, harder working, whatever, need to prove something. So all of those things, if there's something negative on your resume, that can help you. And it can help you. Anything that's negative can be overcome. So the only thing you need to do is you need to really give people the impression that if they take a chance on you, you're really going to freaking appreciate and work hard. And people like that. But if you don't do that, it's going to not... Someone asked, were there only 10 left? left? No, there's a lot of people on this call. Let's see here, 100 and some strategies. Can I use to highlight my pro bono work? Okay. Okay. So this is a good question. So this person is interested in pro bono work and social justice, which is absolutely 100% great. So there's nothing wrong with that. So we've talked a lot about law firm jobs, but if you want to talk about pro bono work and community involvement, then you just you can go all out. You can there's nothing wrong with this, but you just have to realize that you definitely, the more of the stuff you talk about, the less likely a law firm is going to be to hire you. You need to make sure that you're talking about this to the correct audience. So that's all. But the problem with putting this stuff on a law firm resume is law firms want to control you. Yeah, will you do the job? Do you, can you do the job? Can you be managed? Will you commit and do the job long-term? Do you want the job? All these sorts of questions. Obviously, if you're interested in something else and then what the law firm does, then the law firm's not going to believe you can be managed. They're not going to believe that you're going to commit. 
they're not going to believe that you really want the job. There's nothing wrong with being interested in social justice and public service. Those are great things. But unfortunately, if you want to work for a law firm, it doesn't really fit what they need. Now, there are certain people that could be really good for that. It could be maybe certain types of criminal attorneys. And I'm not saying that's not something that law firms will be interested in, but you're much better off doing that stuff if you're trying to work in another environment, especially in, if, if you're the only in-house counsel, it's perfectly fine. It's only with law firms that it's a problem, attorney or part of a small legal department. So it's only with really law firms where that is where you're expected to be a specialist. Now, large companies may usually do want specialists. So they'll have specialists in labor, they'll have specialists in different things. But in terms of GC roles for smaller companies, yes, it's good to be a generalist. Okay. Yeah. So this person asked a good question. I think they were the in-house contracts attorney that were unemployed, widespread layoffs, layoffs. Yeah. No positions. Yeah. You can, if you're laid off from an in-house position, you could basically say something along the lines of part of, you could say on your resume, you could say, or you could talk about a part of a layoff of the entire legal department or something along those lines or something, a company, you could say something along the lines in your resume about that and it would be fine. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. For the most part, you're better off not saying anything about it. A lot of people always have questions about layoffs on these calls in our meetings. One of the things that the problem with layoffs is that, again, I'm not trying to be rude here, but when a law firm or a company lays people off, many times, not so much in companies, but in law firms, the people that are the most valuable, they're building the most hours, getting the most work are never let go. Whereas the people that aren't necessarily doing that aren't always let go. Now, it's not that it's different if you're like a first year attorney or second or even laid off, but for the most part, that kind of rule applies. And then, but if you're part of a company layoff or something, a lot of times too, what's scary about companies, I do almost all law firm placements, but what's scary about companies is being in-house is that what happens is a lot of times with these companies, they will decide they're going to let go or that a new general counsel comes in or a new CEO comes in. And those people will typically want to have their own people. And so they'll let go a lot of times people that are in the legal department. So you have a lot of times much less job security in your job. Okay. So this person says, and I'm not going to show their question. So that's one of the things that's scary. Sometimes we're going to turn into other times a manager for management jobs and will produce large gaps in employment. So all of the stuff that I'm saying, just remember advice I'm giving you is really from the standpoint of what it takes to get a job in a law firm. So being a manager and an attorney is okay, but it's not going to get you jobs in a law firm unless it's an administrative role. Attorney is going to make it difficult to get jobs as an attorney. Other types of jobs, let me say difficult to get a job as an attorney. But other types of positions in a law firm, which will be things like other types of roles, which could be a company, or sometimes an administrator in a law firm, it can be very good. There's lots of managerial jobs inside of law firms you can get. But if you have that multiple experience, then multiple different types of experience, it's going to make it much more difficult for you to get uh, jobs in law firms. It's just how it works as an attorney. And those gaps that you have, you probably, you don't want to have large gaps in employment. But again, if your career has kind of gone in a different direction than being a full-time attorney, you're doing other sorts of things, then there's absolutely nothing wrong with you having different experience on your resume. These are great questions. So I appreciate the questions. And I apologize. I would like to ask, answer them while I'm doing resumes reviews a lot of times, but 
this is a little bit between specialization and specific area of law. How can I showcase a credential and stand out? Okay, so these credentials, a lot of times, there's a certain way that kind of law firms think about them. So I don't know, these certificates and credentials and things are useful, but not really. So there's some certified information privacy professional, and which is a new practice area. I don't know what it's called, privacy or something, because that's a new practice area and it's new and like, most people don't know about it. But for the most part, certificates are not that useful. I remember I was getting a clerkship. I was doing a clerkship. I had a federal clerkship and I was clerking at a giant New York law firm over the summer. And some of the partners were like, people at Cravath would never think of doing a clerkship because, or Wachtell because they're going to learn a lot more working at the firm. And it's just like a BS type of thing. That's how they thought about it. And to some extent, the truth behind that statement is a lot of these certificates are just watered down ways to get experience or expertise in something that really sh- you should be getting in a law firm. And that's how they think about it. And this certain certificates will, or certain things will help you stick out, but they have to be really related to what you're doing. And then they have to basically be something that really makes you stick out. So you just need to think about how that would work. Okay, let's see here. So what is the best way? That's next question. What is the best way to show certified information privacy professional certification on my resume? Yeah. So you absolutely, this is one you can list it on your resume. You list it at the end. You don't list it right in the top. You list it on your resume. So that's perfectly fine. And a lot of law firms and companies are looking for that right now. And I said that earlier, this particular qualification, because it is a, it is a kind of a new practice of law. It's something that would be good to list in your resume. Okay. Yeah. So if a company has changed subsequent to your departure or is now defunct, you would basically, you could say that on your resume, say that on the experience section under the company name. That's it. Under your experience. That's all you need to do. Okay. So this person asked, asked an interesting question. They said, the resumes we looked at all this experience with the job history. What about leading off a describing experience in one section and then listing the employers um, section? Yeah. That's actually interesting. You know, I think what you could do is you could basically experience and you could just, what I liked about that is you could just say M&A attorney, you could say have been a, what I like is you could say have been an M&A example, a mergers and acquisitions or something like that. Acquisitions, attorney since whatever, since 1999 or whatever. That's worked at specialized technology mergers, something like in that mergers and private placement mergers. And then you could just put, you could put firm name, firm one, dates, something like that, from two, or something like that. And that's actually interesting. I've never seen that, but that's cool. You could do something like that. And I like that. I think firms would like that too. And if there were too many firms and you could just say, you would say experience, and then you would say, I don't know, 1999 to 2003, or I don't know, an example, I would say, let's do 2004 to 2000. 2022. I don't know, but you get the idea. Then you could list something like that. Actually, would be pretty smart. I like that. Or you could even take out those dates and then just put the dates there. And then you wouldn't need to have a lot of experience there. And then what you could do, what's also interesting for corporate attorneys, they don't really do it as much as they should or used to, but corporate attorneys can always list their experience by always have transaction sheets. So they would, you basically, you don't need to have transaction. If you're a corporate attorney or a patent attorney or different, even real estate, you can always have a transaction sheets. And so you don't need to go into a lot of detail on your resume. And then you can just put 
the different firms, whatever you worked at, and then you would have the transaction sheet to go along with them. That can be very helpful. Okay, this person asked, should you use phrases for the job during your description? And the answer really is no, you don't need to. You can, no, you don't need to do that. Most of the time when an employer reads your resume, they're just going to look at where you worked and what your experience was. And if it's related to what they have, they'll bring you in. And most of the time, really what they're interested in, the quality of your past employers and the quality of your past experience. But using phrases from the job posting description is not something that's really necessary. So that's a good question. As this person says, I only have real life experience in modeling, dance, and being a waiter. I'll leave it all out. So is that a good move? Yeah, it's fine. You could also say other experience or something. I don't know if it's not related. I'm just... You could just say prior to law school, you could put that in. People like people that have had other careers doing dance, modeling, waiting. That's actually okay. But at the same time, just have a line, supported myself through school as a professional model, dancer and waiter. You could put that in. It makes you more interesting. But at the same time, you don't want to detract from whatever your legal experience is. So that is not always necessary. You need to be careful. But again, like one of the big things that I want to make sure everyone on this call understands and certainly sticking around for this long call is I'm, I'm giving this all I got standing here. But for your standpoint, you're learning a lot. But most of the time, your resume is demonstrating your skill as an advocate, your own advocate, and as your own advocate, and therefore as an attorney. A good attorney, just think about all these police shows or lawyer shows you may have watched where someone takes someone that's not guilty and gets them off by portraying them a certain way or someone that is guilty, how the prosecutor frames this stuff and it's the stuff they say and the stuff they don't say. And there's always issues with prosecutors not turning over exculpatory evidence and people getting convicted. And so my point to you is that anything you put on your resume, needs to basically get people's attention and make them feel that you're really, that there's something special about you, that they're on your side, that they care about you and they're like you. We saw today someone that was from Japan or Vietnam and had never had a real job. How do you frame that? You make people, you try to figure out how to get people to like you and to take an interest in you. And if you don't have no experience, you've been a modeling dancer and waiter, people will like that. They'll say, wow, this person, all these cool jobs and an interesting background, and then you get people to like you. And so your resume has to get people to like you. And in order to do that, you can make them feel sorry for you. You can make them believe that they can help you. You can make them think that you're awesome. But a lot of these mistakes that we've seen people make is when they try to look like generals, or they try to do all these other things, and or they, they don't make people like you because they call themselves visionary leaders and all this kind of thing. And so you have to make people like you and want to help you. And that's one of the big mistakes that a lot of people make is they're so focused on their ego and how they look, how cool they are, what a big deal they are. And that's a huge problem. People don't like people that try to look like they're better than others are really good and stuff. It just doesn't work. So you need to be able to portray yourself in that sort of way and think about how that's done. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, 
the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. This is a good question. So this person says, if I want to switch my area of practice, having worked consistently in only one area of the law since graduation, do you have any recommendations? So my recommendation is to do a couple of different things. Most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time when someone's switching practice areas, they're really doing so because they're just not happy practicing law. You can be all different types of attorneys, but ultimately it comes down to if you're happy practicing law. So what happens to most people when they switch practice areas, it's the same thing. And they're also not unhappy. And then you're also starting from ground zero if you switch practice areas. So that may be something you want to do, or it may not be. It's up to you. But if you switch practice areas, it's going to be you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. And a lot of practicing law, a lot of people would say is practicing law. Now, I think transactional work is completely different than litigation. So that's my opinion. But a lot of people would say practicing law is practicing law. What I would recommend, my recommendations would be if if you really want to switch practice areas, typically what you're going to have to do, and if you're in a law firm, you're going to have to do the following. It's not that difficult, and it can be done, but you have law firms with different prestige levels. So, you know, your five are the best and greatest. Um, most of them are in New York, some of them are in LA, but best and greatest law firms. You have the best and greatest, which are your fives, hardest to get jobs at, then your four, which are AMLAW 100 and 200 for the most part and great boutiques. And then you have your threes, which are your mid-level, middle mark, mainly working for businesses. And then you have your twos, which are mainly working for individuals, but some companies. And then you have your ones, which are just all individuals with limited budgets. And this is important to understand. So anyone can get, I don't care where you graduated from law school, I don't care your experience, Almost any attorney there is, it doesn't matter, can get a job at a one firm and even a two firm for the most part, working for individuals. So the reason is individuals don't have a lot of money to spend. The law firms can't pay a lot. And so that's just how it is. And so you have consumer bankruptcy, you may have, I don't know, but personal injury, most insurance defense that does auto accident defense is actually working for individuals, even the insurance company. So most people, anyone on this call can get a job at a one or two firm. It's and this is, by the way, where 90% of all legal jobs are. So there's may not be working, maybe it's 8 to 90, I don't know what the number is. Most, the substantial majority are at one and two firms working for individuals or small companies. And then when you start substantial, so that's that. That's really all you need to understand is that the substantial number of jobs are with these one and two firms. So that sh should basically give you an idea that anyone that wants to work in one of these firms can, for the most part. I mean, there's always people that will hire you. It's not going to be the money you want all the time, but there always are. You can also start your own firm at a one or two firm. It's just, it's not the kind of salaries that you hear about. Now that you're five, four, and three firms. So let's say you're doing, you're at a four firm and you're doing corporate and you want to go to do environmental law at a smaller firm, at another firm. There's no way in hell that a five firm or a four firm is going to hire you to, if you want to switch practice areas. 
you may be able to get a job at a three firm. And what you would have to do in most cases, you probably have to work in a smaller market and a smaller market. And that's a smaller market. So an example would be, I know someone that was a patent attorney at a big firm in Palo Alto and wanted to be an environmental attorney. And she ended up moving to a mid-sized firm in Sacramento or Fresno or something. Not the place that I think she went to Michigan. It was great. Not the sort of place that, you know, so that's what you can do. So the only thing you do is you switch practice areas. You just need to move down the prestige level of the firm. So if you're at a three firm and you want to switch practice areas, most of the time you'd probably need to work for a two firm, meaning these firms are not going to pay as much. They're less stable. They're not the places that everyone's trying to get jobs at. They don't have these high market salaries. That's fine. Same thing with a four, a four firm. And so these are, this is just how it works. So anybody can switch practice areas. I don't think it's always a good idea because I think that if you switch practice areas, you're going to get yourself into trouble because in most cases, you're going to have to move down the prestige level of the firm. You're going to be starting from ground zero. I'm not sure what you're going to get out of it other than experience doing a different type of law. And why is it more appeal to you more? It may appeal because there's more client contact or you think the work's more important or it represents something for you, like maybe working in environmental law represents someone. I don't know. But but for the most part, it's always it's not always a great idea to switch practice areas because it most of the time it uh, doesn't lead to it's not always the best idea. Now, there are different types of practice area switches. The ones that I'm most concerned about and saying negative things about are, are the practice area switches can be you can switch from practice area switches. So you can switch from you can go from transactional. So there's two types of attorneys. There's transactional attorneys, and then there's litigation attorneys. So what I'm most concerned about is if you make the so transactional would be corporate, real estate, or, and then your litigation is commercial litigation. That's different types of litigation. If you try to make a switch from transactional to to litigation, that's like starting from zero. Same thing with making a switch from litigation to transactional. What I notice is when people are really trying to switch practice areas, it's like when there's a really good economy, litigators want to be transactional attorneys, and when there's a really bad attorney, the economy sometimes corporate attorneys will do that. But it's actually not as dangerous at all to switch from one transactional practice area to another or one litigation position to another. So those are not that complex and, and you can actually have a lot of fluidity in your resume and it doesn't, it's not. There are different types of law, and but switching within transactional is actually okay. And then what you can do later is you can, if you're ever ever trying to do something else, you can make it look like everything blends together. And that's actually much better. But if you have this kind of big change in terms of your practice area, and then people are going to... These are the kind of the problems you get into. And I'll just show you these real quickly. It's back to these things I was talking about earlier. Which are, can you do the job? Can you be managed? Will you commit to the job long-term? Obviously, these are some questions that people are going to have if you're switching practice areas and it can make it much more difficult. Okay. What if my past experience includes different foreclosure law positions due to firm closure layoffs and document review jobs due to a need for a job? Now trying to focus on privacy and security law, I've earned a recent master's degree. That's great. And several, should all prior experiences not related be removed from the resume? If yes, is create a large cap. So there's nothing wrong with that. But what you need to do is you need to eliminate lots of descriptions of these previous jobs. I wouldn't 
put a lot of stuff about foreclosure. I wouldn't put a lot of stuff about document review. I would just basically try to write your experience and basically just name kind of the law firms you worked in and some of the work you've done and be general about it because you're essentially trying to go into a new practice area after getting a master's degree. And that's great, but you need to, you need to be very careful about how you word your previous experience. So it's, I don't give you all sorts of examples. If I don't know, I, actually, I'm not going to give you any examples, but it's just very difficult. If you've looked like one type of attorney and now you're trying to be completely different, people are going to wonder like, why did this person have to become a doc? Why couldn't they get a job? Why couldn't they? Because the idea is that as an attorney, you're responsible for being your own advocate. And how can you advocate for clients if you can't advocate for yourself and get a job? That's, it's not that big of a deal, but it's just one way to think about it. And so you need to be very careful how you word that. You definitely want to put down your previous employers, but try not to say anything if you can about foreclosure law or document review. You can certainly change your practice area, but you want to be very careful how you word things. So I talked a lot today so far about how to change the wording of things on your resume so that hopefully and your experience and how to block it together. And because you want people to look at your resume and really think nothing but high, you want them to think this, you want them to think whatever your degree is in, you want them to really focus on that and not see a lot of other stuff because they'll reach conclusions about you. You want them to reach conclusions that this is a really good person to do this type of work and not reach conclusions about what's happened to you in the past. I guess the idea I'm trying to give you is the past tends to repeat itself. If you went to law school, you couldn't get a job or you got a job with all these firms that were not great firms at all, were not a business. And then you had to be, and the idea would be whatever happened to you in the past is probably going to repeat itself. So you try to de-emphasize the past. I've been in, I know attorneys that have been professional models, for example, and they do not talk about it. They spent their, or, or even nude models and things. I know one person that did that. And actually change their name because they didn't want to be associated with that. And so people have all these things, bad things that they've done or bad things. That, and I don't think being a new model is a bad thing, but I'm just saying things that they don't want other people to know about. And so if you, you have to basically let your past go and try to look like a different person. And you probably could be because you've learned things and you've gotten this master's degree. And you, so that's how I would do it. The only other thing I would say is, and this is something to really think hard about, is everyone on this call that wants to be an attorney that have done all these other things, like I sometimes I don't understand it. And I'll just tell you why. Uh, one of my neighbors is this guy, he's no longer alive. I think he died of a cocaine overdose, which I didn't even know was possible, but I think his heart stopped or something. But started this immensely successful credit card company after graduating from, I think, Whittier Law School and became worth hundred plus million dollars and then used the money to gamble and Use cocaine, died when he was very young, 50 or something. But the point is that you don't need to be an attorney. Like, why? I'm just telling you from my personal point of view, I can tell you what you need to do, but why be part of a profession? And this is a question that I ask that's so hostile and unwelcoming and makes it so difficult. And because the doors do open to people, but if you're never going to succeed at the level you want, is that good for your? The point is, you don't. Someone that's motivated enough to go to law school and take the time to do that and learn, and I can, I'm showing you all the stuff you need to do, but is that if the profession is so closed and so difficult, is that always the best use of your time to pursue something that's so unwelcoming when you are so motivated and went to law school? And the legal profession, by the way, is 
unwelcoming to everyone. I went to great college. It was really well. I went to a great law school. I did really well. I got a great summer. And I still thought the freaking profession was hostile. So I think the profession is actually very hostile and welcoming to most people. Even if you go to Harvard Law School, it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel welcoming. Even if you go to Yale Law School, it doesn't feel welcoming. It feels, it's harsh. It's a harsh profession. It's not fun. It's just, there's a lot, it's fun, but there's a lot of things that aren't welcoming about it. So my point is to a lot of people on this call, and I just want you to understand is that with your skills and motivation, taking yourself into different professions and things could be very smart. It could be a great use of your time, a great use of your energy, and actually make you much happier than being part of a profession that, frankly, is very difficult to feel welcome in. And so I'm not trying to psych anybody out, but I'm just saying that a lot of people try to pursue this legal profession forever, and it never opens up to them in the way they want. And is that smart? Is that a smart use of your time? And it will open up. I know plenty of people that graduated from law school never got jobs, but were so motivated started their own business, meaning opened their own firms, and now are worth made millions of dollars and worth a lot of money and stuff. So you can definitely do well, but trying to frame your resume and everything, which is what this meeting is about for other people and to get other people's approval and stuff, when maybe you could put your effort into something else and actually do very well, would be smart. I'm going to tell you a quick story and then I'm going to do the rest of these questions. And there's only a couple more, but but I did want to tell you a quick story. So I was, I went to college at what is it, the University of Chicago, and I did better than I could have imagined there. And but then in the summers I had this asphalt business where I would go around and do work on driveways, and then eventually I got into commercial stuff, and I did very well financially doing it, and so well that I was like, why am I trying to go to law school? Why, why am I doing all these things when? And I'm having so much fun doing this, and it just keeps getting better and better. And there's a need from what I'm doing. I was very excited about it. And but one day I was I'm from this like my business. A lot of the work I did was in Gross Point, Michigan, which is this uh, used to be a very still is, but it used to be considered like a very posh suburb of Detroit. And this is back when Detroit was like a, one of the hottest places in the world because of all the industry and things that were going on there. So there's a lot of really big houses and. They're used to country clubs and just a very nice place. And so one day I was out doing this asphalt work and I was uh, working on this guy's house that was one of the nicest homes in this whole city. It had pools and just giant, I don't know, it was a very nice house. And not only that, but the guy collected Ferraris and had them in his garage. And, and I was like, wow, this is really something. Who is this guy? And so I started talking to him and he was a, he'd gone to, Duke Business School or something and come out and worked in a bank in Detroit. And then incredibly started this business where all he was, this is hard to believe, but he started this business where he was basically having cleaning windows of homes around Gross Point. In Michigan, you have the summers and then you have, then you have the fall and the spring and the winter. And so you have all these seasons where you can go out and clean windows. And I realized the more I talked to him that he was making I don't know, six, seven hundred thousand dollars a year. Not only that, but a ton of it was in cash. I don't need to tell you about that. But so he was making an incredible amount of money. Right now, this is so long ago, that'd be probably like a million and a half to two million dollars a year. I don't know what it'd be, but it'd be at least double. Basically washing windows. He would send out these crews of people. He would charge two or three hundred dollars for a house and he would send out these guys that he was paying $10 an hour and two of them would clean the windows in a house in an hour and he'd charge $300 and they would go and do 
eight of them, eight or nine houses a day. And it was just, and all he was doing was cleaning women. Didn't require an education, didn't require anything. And yet he was on top of the world. He had a beautiful house and all the money he needed and sports cars and was very fulfilled. Now, I don't know that would fulfill me because I like what I'm doing and helping people. And But if your goal is financial in nature, or it's, I don't know, whatever your goal is, or feeling a sense of independence and security, all this guy did was sit around and uh, smoke cigars. And he didn't like to put miles on his Ferrari. So he would just sit there revving them in his driveway. Pretty interesting guy. And, and I stayed in touch with him. And But the point is that you don't need to be successful. You don't need to practice law. You don't need to work for other people. You don't need to do things that you think you need to do for respectability. I mean, you can do all sorts of things. And and that's my point. Trying to appease others and go into a profession that's just hostile and is, I don't know, you have to think about that. And I'm just trying to give you some advice because there's a lot of ways to be happier and being in a law firm, unwelcome profession is pretty crazy, man. It's not, it may not be in your best interest. And so you just need to be very careful about committing to something. And a lot of times people will decide they want to practice law because that means respectability or it means a high income or it means, but frankly, is it respectful to be part of a profession that pushes so many people out? That's so difficult. I don't know. It's even in my role, I think it's hostile. Firms aren't always nice. They're like, oh, we don't are interested in these people. It's just, you know, that's what it is. You just have to think about it. Okay, law student thinks national security was a concentration. Okay, I don't know this person's question, but typically you don't want to, you definitely don't want to, I don't think it's always a good idea to see you have a concentration when you're in law school because there really is no such thing. But I guess you could put that on there, but, but you would need to be careful about that. A lot of questions. I mean, I was called for five hours. I'm getting most of these questions up. Let me see here. So this person says, law student, thanks so much for the feedback. Oh, that's not it. I'm sorry. In pursuing an in-house role, would you recommend including or removing an event, planning business from your resume that has transferable skills? Yes, I would remove it. So the reason is because it's not really relevant. This you may think is relevant, but come on. It's not necessarily other contracts and negotiation as significant as they would be working for an international company with offices around now. Again, anything that detracts from how strong your resume looks is not, it's okay to have a career gap. There's nothing at all wrong with having a career gap. It can be difficult to overcome, but life happens and no one's going to be that upset about it. Let me see if there's anything I missed. I don't think there is. Okay. So this is just, I'll answer this person's question. This is an earlier question, but I'll answer it. So I went to Brown Northwestern. I've been out I received feedback that it should be at the top. What are your thoughts? No, I think you don't need to put that at the top. One of the problems too is that if you list all these great schools, and I don't know what's going on with your career right now, but if you list all these great schools and then not a lot has happened in your career, then it doesn't, what does this show with the schools? So a lot of times, if you're not doing as well as you would like to, and your schools are really good, people will say, why is this person not doing that great? So the world of schools in your resume, all schools show, and they do show a lot. Getting into Brown is next to impossible. And probably I think Northwestern is, a, I don't know, it's a top 10 school. It's also next to impossible. And, and law review, these are all really good things. But all schools show is your motivation. Is They show your motivation. They show your past academic success. 
your test, your how smart you are, meaning your intelligence, at least it does now, they're starting to eliminate them, measured by test, and what else? And then your ability to impress people that are writing you recommendations, and that's et cetera. So that's what they show. They don't show much more than that. It doesn't mean that you, because you did all these things, you're going to be successful. It doesn't mean any of that. If anything, I think it doesn't really work that way, but a lot of people are actually hurt by going to good schools because they have a sense of entitlement that hurts them or other things that happen. Like for everyone that's been on this call and meeting today, frankly, like you are freaking really smart because no one, there's really no one that can show you this stuff from my perspective, at least. And all this stuff will help you a great deal. And you can watch these recordings again. You can, but it's extremely smart learning this because most people that go to good schools think they know everything. And because of that, it can hold them back or they have a sense of entitlement. They think they should make a certain amount of money or they think, you know, they think that their academic success means they're going to be a good attorney. It has nothing to do with it. It does get you in the door and open doors, but if you don't have commitment, you don't stay around, it doesn't really matter in the long run, your schools. It gets you early experience that can translate into very important other jobs, but it doesn't do anything with that. One of the problems with schools is the other thing is if you go to school and maybe you're admitted for not because of your academic success or not because of your test scores, or I don't know why that would be. They have sometimes people get into schools because they're parents donors or who knows. And it's not really my concern, but it can also hold you back because if you go to a really good school and then you come out and you don't have good jobs and people are like, why this? It's, it can hurt you. But yeah, all this stuff about putting your school on top, people, when you get out and you're more than a few years out of school, the only thing people care about is your experience and what you've done, of it, done with the, your experience and what you've done with the advantages you've been given. That's all they care about. And if nothing has happened with that, then having your school emphasized is not necessarily going to help you. So that's something that I would just think about with your school. People like the good schools. It shows a lot about your past, but what are you doing in the future? So that's really the most important question that people have. And people like it. People love hiring people from top law schools, but they don't love it when the person is has an attitude and all that other kind of stuff. All right. Thank you everyone for being on this call. I think I got most of the questions and I appreciate all the resumes. We may be doing, I think about this for next week, but we may do a cover letter workshop. Those typically aren't as popular as this particular webinar, but this topic, and I do this every quarter, I will do it again next quarter. And I certainly appreciate everyone being on this call. Everyone, I think, learned a lot. I appreciate all the questions and everyone that sat around having their resume reviewed. I know that that's not easy, especially when you feel that things are critical. But honestly, I think having someone tell you this stuff and understand what people are looking for could really hopefully change the direction of your career. I very much appreciate everyone being here today, and I hope this stuff helped. And, and then probably next week, we'll do a, a cover letter workshop. So thank you, and I will I'll talk to everyone next week. Bye. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com.